This is Positively Farming Media. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. This episode, we're going to tackle one way to grow onions for spring, depending on our location. We haven't done a full onion episode yet, and I promise we will because there is a lot to unpack there. But since now is the time to get some types of onions in the ground, depending on your goals, we'll cover some of the basics and the how and why for overwintering. We'll also review the question of the week, which is actually more of a discussion than a question surrounding the difference between hardiness zone and climate and how growing degree days are affected by each of those. Understanding each of these terms and how your garden will react to each can go a long way toward better timing of your succession plantings in the garden. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard, then moved to a five-acre lot outside city limits and expanded that garden to half an acre. What started as a way to provide for my family turned into a love for digging in the dirt and providing for others. Slowly, my husband and I built our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm through lots of trial and error and successes and failures. Eventually, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, and along the way, I discovered there is power in food. So I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. This podcast is all about helping you become a better gardener and a better eater. Whether you're a seasoned gardener or have never grown a thing in your life, I want to give you the knowledge you need to get the biggest and best harvest you can. So settle in, grab that garden journal, and get ready to just grow something. So before we go any further in this episode, I want to read to you this really cool new review I got over on Apple Podcasts for the podcast. Um, It is titled New Fave for Midwest Gardening Advice, and this was left by Sweet Cody via Apple Podcasts. This five-star review says, love, love, love. I've been listening to all the garden podcasts I can get my hands on for hours a day for a year or more now, and only recently did the algorithm gods show this one to me. I'm in love. Karen has done some things well here that not all podcasters get right. She has a focused plan on what she's going to talk about. She rarely leaves me with just her best guess, but instead offers science-based answers. She shares all her sources, mostly universities, and she's funny. I love that she has brought back the blooper reel, all the things she says wrong that have been edited out, and I really appreciate that they are out here in the middle like me. They are not on a coast where the weather is borderline tropical. I love some of these shows, don't get me wrong, who doesn't love Epic?, But I'm not going to bring a six-foot-tall dragon fruit plant indoors for the winter, so there's no point in talking about that for half an hour. Anyway, did I mention that she and her husband are also former military? So, yeah, that hits all of my high points. Hopefully it hits yours, too. Thank you for your service if you read this, Karen, and thank you for your down-to-earth approach to gardening and garden podcasting. And sweet Cody left all of the veggie and fruit emojis possible at the end of this review. This was such a fun review. Thank you so much, Cody, for leaving this. It's kind of interesting when you're podcasting, you don't really get a whole lot in the way of actual feedback from people. We'll get stats and we'll you know see the number of downloads that we've had and that sort of thing and how accurate those are you know sort of remains to be seen sometimes. But 
we very rarely get actual feedback from people who are actually listening. And this is super helpful because it tells me that some of the things that I'm doing are actually working, especially when I change something a little bit, like adding those uh, blooper reels back in there. So I really, really appreciate this. Thank you so much, Cody, for for leaving this um, this review. And if you are somebody who has not left a review for the podcast, it would be super helpful to me if you would go and do that over on Apple Podcasts or if your podcast player allows you to leave actual reviews. Not only does it give me feedback, and yeah, it strokes the ego a little bit when it's a good one, um, but also if people are looking for a new gardening podcast and they come across this one, if they see the rating and they see some positive reviews, they're more likely to, to give it a try. So thank you so much for that review. That was, that was awesome to read. And speaking of feedback, um, let's jump into the question of the week. Like I said, it's not actually a question. It's part of an email that I got from another listener, Mariah. Thank you very much for your email, Mariah. Um, there were several points that she made in, in that email, and we'll actually address some more of them later on. But this one was the one that I wanted to highlight. What she said was it was a real light bulb moment several years into gardening that your growing zone really only has to do with your lower temperature growing limit. Sounds obvious, I'm sure, but here in the Pacific Northwest, summertime heat units are often more of a limiting factor than zone. We're a solid zone, but sweet potatoes are nearly impossible to grow outdoors because we just don't get enough heat. This may not be as much of a consideration elsewhere, but heat units and growing degree days were a real revelation for me as a new gardener. Again, thank you so much for sending that in, Mariah, and making that point. And that is spot on information for everybody who is gardening, whether you're a new grower or you've got some experience. I know that we've maybe touched on this a little bit in, in some of the other episodes, but let's actually just start with a definition. What is your growing zone or your hardiness zone, right? This is simply a geographic area that is defined by a certain average minimum temperature. So the USDA will assign an area to a zone based on the lowest average temperature recorded there during the wintertime. Now, they use information that's been gathered over the previous 30 years, and periodically they will make adjustments to those zones based on updated data. So, for example, my area used to be considered Zone 5B, but we have now been shifted to Zone 6A because our average low temperature is not as cold as it used to be. 5B sees average low temperatures between negative 10 and negative 15 Fahrenheit, where 6A averages between negative 5 and negative 10 Fahrenheit. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't ever get colder than this. It absolutely does. It just means that that is now the average low temperature across our wintertime. Now, of course, the USDA is the most commonly used one, and there are maps that they put out there that define these zones worldwide. But there are alternative systems. Um, the UK Royal Horticultural Society, um, the US Sunset Western Garden Book, the, the Sunset Zones, those are different versions of what the USDA has put out there. And then there's also um, one by the American Horticultural Society that uses heat zones. So the average number of days per year when the temperature exceeds 86 Fahrenheit or 30 Celsius. So there are 
different maps out there and different systems, but usually when we're talking hardiness or zone or growing zone, we're talking about the USDA version. Keep in mind that this hardiness is only referring to the coldest average temperature. So it's not defining your climate. This is merely going to tell you what plants will likely survive as a perennial in your area. A plant may be considered a perennial in one area, but an annual in another based on your coldest average temperatures. For example, rosemary. You know, when I lived in Northern California, people grew rosemary, the herb, as bushes out in the front, like in their landscaping. And it wasn't even until I started being a gardener that I realized that what they were growing was actually an herb that we use culinarily. Out here, where we are in West Central Missouri, it is very rare to get a rosemary plant to be able to get to full size and then also survive the winter to come back the next year. It is considered a tender perennial here. If it gets too cold in the wintertime, that baby's not going to come back. The same thing happens with certain fruit trees. There are certain areas where it is just too darn cold for fruit trees to be able to survive the winter and come back. But that is specific to hardiness. In contrast to this, we have our climate, right? This refers to the long-term weather patterns that are experienced in an area. And this is also typically averaged out over a period of 30 years. So we have three main climates throughout the world, tropical, temperate, and polar. And each of these is broken down into subsets based on the typical weather patterns. So, you know, these subsets include things like temperate forest climate, desert, Mediterranean, tropical grasslands, right? They each have their own characteristics. For example, Mediterranean climates are characterized by hot, dry summers and cool, wet winters. Tropical grasslands are hot all year round, but they have distinct wet seasons and dry seasons. And then deserts, of course, are hot and dry year round. Now, some of these may be in the same hardiness zone as each other, but will have very different growing conditions based on their climate. I have a really good example, okay? Again, my zone is zone 6A. My hardiness zone is the same as that of Lapine, Oregon. We both average the same low temperatures in the winter. But Lapine, Oregon is smack dab in the middle of the Deschutes National Forest. They average around six inches of rain and 19 inches of snow in December. By contrast, we average around 11 inches of rain, but only two or three inches of snow in December. That's a big difference in moisture level. Same hardiness zone, but very different climates, which means things are going to grow differently. And then we also have growing degree days, otherwise known as heat units, okay? Now, there's a lot of math and science behind calculating growing degree days or heat units, but the basic explanation is this. Every plant has a perfect temperature range where they develop at the perfect rate. So the amount of time during the season that the plant is within that perfect temperature range will determine how well and how quickly it reaches maturity. So this is the one thing that will trip us up most as gardeners. The amount of heat that I get here in the summertime can be very intense but for a short amount of time, maybe just a few weeks. 
someone just a little further south than me may experience that same intense heat, but for a much longer period. So this would mean that certain things that I can manage to grow here throughout, you know, to the end of June, like bush green beans, would likely need to be planted earlier and then again later further south from here. But heat-loving plants like okra and sweet potatoes can be planted much earlier down south than they can be here, and they absolutely thrive. I can't even get okra to germinate if I plant it too early, much less grow. And I never plant my sweet potatoes before the first or second week in June, or they just don't do well. And like Mariah said, folks in the Pacific Northwest may have a very long growing season, but with very different temperatures. Let's go back to Lapine, Oregon again. Their average high in July is 78 degrees Fahrenheit with overnight lows in the mid-40s. That would be unheard of here. Our average high at the same time is 88 Fahrenheit. It's a full 10 degree difference with overnight lows in the upper 60s. So more than 20 degree difference overnight. Again, a very stark contrast, which means those plants that need a lot of heat to really grow well, things like sweet potatoes and okra that do well in the south and that can be planted a little bit later here with pretty good results, just won't ever get what they need in a Pacific Northwest garden. But I'll bet that they can grow some fantastic green beans throughout the entire summer because they don't get the extreme highs for several weeks at a time like we can here that prevents green beans from flowering and developing. So there are also a lot of other factors to consider with both annuals and perennials. The proper amount of light, the soil moisture, how long that plant is exposed to cold or to extreme heat, the humidity level in your area, the amount of pollution in your area, all these types of things that make a difference from one location to another. So these are the things that take time to learn as a gardener. And this is why I'm constantly experimenting in my own garden. That seed packet may say it matures in 58 days, but we have to take the temperatures into consideration. Remember those pole beans that I planted? I didn't plant those until July, right? And according to the packet, I shouldn't have been harvesting those until about the beginning of September. But the warmer temperatures helped those plants grow faster, and they began producing a full 10 days sooner than I expected. Fantastic for me. I've been super excited for that. But if I plant those same beans in early spring next year, they're probably going to take about 10 days longer than the packet says because the soil and the air temperatures are cooler and there are fewer hours in that ideal temperature range. So experimenting like this has also helped me to realize that I don't have to rush to get all of my tomatoes planted, right? Like the first two weeks in May, like I always read that I needed to do. My guides that I read for this area have all said to plant tomatoes between May 10th and May 20th. That's it, just a 10-day window. But through experimentation, I now know that I can stagger those plantings and I can get great results across the entire season. But my gardening friends further north from here need to not only get those plants in right away as soon as it warms up, but they also have to select varieties that ripen more quickly to be sure that they have time to get those fruit to maturity before the cold weather moves back in. And folks in the south, well, they can plant early and get their harvest and then pull those plants and then plant again later on for a full second crop of tomatoes because their growing season lasts longer 
but it also gets too darn hot in the middle of the season to really grow tomatoes. Sometimes we roll the dice and we see what happens and we are pleasantly surprised and sometimes we are sorely disappointed. And this is where experience and a garden journal come in very handy. So what Mariah said is very true. It takes some consideration of all of these things when we're planting our gardens. The hardiness zone, the climate, and the number of heat units that a plant typically needs to perform well. Now, unfortunately, there is no good resource that I have found that has all of the best temperature ranges for every single fruit and vegetable all in one good table. I haven't even found one that is broken down, you know, by climate. So it's something that you sort of have to look up um, individually to see if a crop may struggle or may do really well in your area. You know, and I may start to gather that information and put something together that I can share with everybody. And if I do, well, then I will absolutely let you know. Okay, so let's jump into planting onions in the fall for overwintering. Why would we want to do this? What does this result in? And can everybody do it or only those in certain hardiness zones? And yes, it's that overnight low temperature that we're concerned about here. Um, and so that is your hardiness zone. But we also need to look at your line of latitude, where you are gardening. So the first thing to understand about growing onions is that there are three different types of onions. Short day, long day, and intermediate day or day neutral, right? Most onion varieties will begin to form their bulbs when the temperature and the number of daylight hours hit a specific level. So kind of like what we talked about with the growing degree days and the heat units in plants being between a certain temperature range. For onions, it's based on the temperature and the number of daylight hours. So short day onions are gonna start forming their bulbs when the daylight hours are shorter, between 10 and 12 hours. Long day onions don't start developing until the daylight hours are longer, at least 14 to 16 hours per day. And then the day neutral or intermediate onions, they bul start bulbing in that sort of in-between day length of 12 to 14 hours, okay? So just keep that in mind, short day, long day, day neutral. Now, the second thing to understand is the more leafy growth that you have at the top of the onion before the bulbing process starts, the larger the onion will be. So those large healthy tops are going to lead to the optimum bulb size. So it's important to give the plant enough time to size up before it starts bulbing. Um, each one of the leaves on your onion is going to represent a layer of the onion. I think I read once that the perfect onion has 13 layers or something like that, which, I mean, it all sounds subjective to me, but whatever. So this is where your line of latitude comes in. Think about what your temperature conditions are where you live when the daylight hours begin to lengthen after winter. When do they hit between 10 and 12 hours and how warm is it? If you say early spring and your temperatures are already pretty mild and your garden is taking off nicely, well, you likely live below the 36th parallel. In North America, that means you are a southern gardener. There's a lot less variation in your day length and your temperatures are more conducive to getting those green tops growing quickly before the bulbs begin to form. If, however, you live someplace where your temperatures don't really start to warm up until your daylight hours hit at least 14 hours a day, well, then you are more likely a northern grower. 
daylight length for you varies pretty greatly and it varies more so the further away you get from the equator. So your winter days are very, very short, but your summer days are long. So southern growers should plant short day onions. Long day onions planted in the south may not get a chance to really bulb up properly. They may not have enough day length to actually trigger that bulbing process. On the other hand, northern gardeners, you should grow long day onions. If you grow short day ones, there won't be enough time for those onions to grow their tops before the day length triggers that bulbing and you're going to end up with really, really small onions. So this is the part of growing onions that took me a really, really long time to wrap my head around. You know me. I like to understand the why behind why I'm being told to plant things a certain way. So let's take each one of these by themselves. Let's look at long day onions, right? These are generally best suited if you are growing at a latitude of anywhere between 37 and 47 degree lat latitude, right? These are the ones that form their bulbs between 14 and 16 hours of daylight. So northern growers, generally speaking, temperature wise, you're looking at zone six and colder. These are usually planted in very late winter or very, very early spring, um, but some varieties are suitable for overwintering. So in my area, we can actually plant long day onions. And in most instances here, they're plants and they're being planted very, very early in the spring or late winter. So a lot of growers will start these or put these in the ground in February, right? That is because we need them to get enough growth on them before they initiate that bulb formation. So they have to start very, very early. Now your intermediate day onions, these are best for latitudes of 32 to 42 degrees. Um, we can grow intermediate day onions here also, so we have some overlap. These are the ones that initiate bulb formation at 12 to 14 hours of daylight. Um, zones five and six do really well with these, but they are adaptable and they will form bulbs in just about any growing zone. They're usually planted in the spring at the sort of central latitudes. They're planted in the early spring in the more northern latitudes, and then they're planted in the fall in the more mild winter climates. These are usually your really, really sweet onions. And then short day onions, best suited for latitudes at 25 to 35 degrees. These are the ones that initiate bulb formation at 10 to 12 hours of daylight. They generally require mild winter climates. So you're looking at zone seven and warmer. Again, my southern growers. These are the ones also that are usually planted in the fall and then mature in late spring. Now, of course, there is a little bit of wiggle room here. This is just a guideline. Some long day varieties may form bulbs further south than others. Some intermediate day varieties may form bulbs farther north than others. But you'll have the most success your first time growing onions if you sort of follow this rule. So I'm going to link to this information in the show notes for you so you have a quick reference to be able to figure out what is the best type of onion for you to grow in your area, right? So now that we know what types of onions do best, um, again, for me, I can choose from long day or day neutral varieties. We can determine whether it's a good idea to plant in the fall to overwinter them, or if we should wait until the spring. And then we also need to decide whether or not we're gonna start them from seed ourselves, or if we're gonna use sets. So the first thing you need to do is determine, okay, what is your line of latitude? Where are you growing? And that's gonna give you an idea of what the proper type 
of onion is going to be for you to grow. At that instance, it's going to help you figure out whether or not fall is a good time for you to be planting. Again, the further north you go, the less likely it is that you're going to be overwintering these things. Bulb onions are generally cold hardy, down to around 5 or 10 degrees Fahrenheit, right? So keeping this in mind and understanding what your growing zone is, is going to tell you if you plant onions in the fall, whether or not you're going to need to cover them, mulch them really heavily, cover them with frost protection, maybe grow them under plastic, that is going to help you decide. If, if you're area generally freezes really, really solid and you get down below five degrees Fahrenheit continually, then you may not be in an area where you want to grow them over the winter time. So in most instances, those of us who are in zone five and six, probably the farthest north that you are going to be planting things um, in, in the fall for overwintering. Anything further south than that, then you should be good. So if you decide to plant them from seed, you're going to either need to start very, very early to get them sown directly in the ground or, and this is the sort of preferred method, is to start them indoors and transplant them as plants. So depending on the variety that you're growing and the days to maturity, you want to start these early enough so that you can get them planted, settled in, and well-rooted before you get to your first frost. Now, if you're someplace where you don't get a frost, then you're looking at, again, your Persephone period because that's going to stop the growth pattern, right? So when you're starting them from seed and you're getting ready to transplant them, you need to give yourself enough time to get that plant about the width of a pencil at the onset of winter or before the first hard freeze. Generally speaking, this is when they're gonna have like four or five true leaves. The reason this is important is if the plant is a little too small going into winter, it can either end up frozen because there's not enough mass to it to keep it from freezing, or you'll end up with a very small bulb in the spring. If your onion is a little too big going into winter, then it's going to cause it to bolt prematurely when spring rolls around. So this is going to take a little bit of practice. Try sowing a couple of different dates. Do some succession starts and getting them in the ground at different times to see what works best for your area. Again, we're always experimenting in the garden, right? If you're in a cold area, you're going to have to cover the plants. You're going to have to mulch really, really well because we're a little bit less concerned about the air temperature as we are as we are the, the ground temperature, right? So mulch them really, really well and cover them really well. And then as you get into the spring, when the temperatures start to get above freezing during the day, you can start to remove those frost covers and put them back on at night. Um, and then once it really kind of stays warm, that's when you remove the frost covers and let them start to do their thing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I've been using Elm Dirt's plant juice in my greenhouse and my raised beds all season long and I can tell you the results have been impressive. My plants have been more drought tolerant, which has been super important this year. They've resisted disease better, they've handled stress more readily, and I've even done side-by-side -side comparisons and can absolutely see the difference in the health of the plants. Elm Dirt is offering Just Grow Something Gardening friends a little something special to get you started in using their products. Go to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com slash dirt and use the code JUSTGROW at checkout to get a free bottle of their bloom juice with any purchase. I promise you will be super happy with the results. That's JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com slash dirt and use code JUSTGROW at checkout for a free bottle of bloom juice with any purchase from Elm Dirt. Now, the alternative to doing this from seed, especially if you're not really sure how the timing is going to work, is to plant sets. Now, sets are those little miniature bulbs that you see usually in bags of like 100 at the garden center. This is a really good opportunity to be able to produce some great spring onions without having to worry about the sort of tediousness of using seeds. Now, I will tell you that we do both. We plant sets in the early fall and we grow them as green onions. Then we plant more again later to overwinter for what we call our spring onions. And then we also plant um, onion plants in the very early spring. So we're sort of hedging our bets and making sure that we get, we get all these different types of onions. So because of this, you know, the timing is going to be different for fall planting of onions from sets than it's going to be from growing them from seed. If you're planting sets, you're actually going to plant them out around the same time as you would your garlic. So in most instances, we're talking mid-October through late November, depending on your area. Um, again, if you're planting your garlic earlier than that, you are probably a much more northern gardener, so it's not necessarily recommended to plant onions from sets. doesn't mean you can't try. Like I said, I'm always about experimenting in the garden. But a key advantage to planting onions from sets and overwintering them is that the planting time is much more flexible, right? When you're growing from seed, you have to get the timing of the seeding right. Weather can throw things off. Whether or not you're you're starting them in a greenhouse, you're growing them indoors, trying to find the right time to transplant them, it can be a little bit difficult. And this is not just for your fall planting. I mean, you know, spring planting can do this too. We have that problem every single year, which is why I have started planting in multiple seasons. Because it seems like one year we'll be able to start those seeds early in the spring and get the plants to size and get them in the ground perfectly timed. And we end up with big, bold, beautiful onions. And then in other years, we seem like we've gotten it right, but we get tiny little puny onions. And, and sometimes it just seems like there's no rhyme or reason. And I know what the rhyme and reason is. It has 100% to do with the weather conditions, the soil conditions, and everything else that goes into it. But the good thing about planting sets is that you can pretty much just kind of stick them in the ground and they're going to come up in the spring pretty readily just on their own. Now, they're typically going to produce onions about two weeks later than if you were to overwinter plants grown from seed, but they are definitely less tricky. And so if you can get your hands on bulbs to plant in the fall, I would highly recommend it. In general, my northern gardeners, you will plant onion sets in the spring 
to harvest bulbs in the summer. If you plant bulbs in the fall, you're going to be able to harvest green onions before the winter hits, but it's unlikely that those are really going to survive as well into the spring. Now, Southern gardeners, you can plant onions in the fall and harvest the bulbs in the late spring to the early summer, and you very likely may have better success with this than maybe what you have tried in the past. Here's the thing about the onion sets, though. A lot of the time, you're only going to find them at your local nursery in the spring. And depending on where you are, planting them in the spring, they may not get as large. What I have found is when I, when I plant them in the spring, we, we end up pulling them as what we call spring onions. They bulb, and you get nice big green tops on them, but they don't get as big before they tend to bolt. If you do find them at your local nursery... Usually, these are going to be the correct type for your area. But if it's a big box store, don't bet on it, right? Hopefully, on that bag, it's going to list the variety so you can look it up and determine whether or not it is a, a day neutral or a long day or a short day onion. But sometimes, you know, they just ship across the country and you have no idea what it is that you're getting. Oftentimes, what I've noticed is that and don't quote me on this, don't hold me to this, but what I've seen is the white onions that I end up seeing in the store tend to be short day onions while the yellow ones tend to be long day. That may not necessarily mean the same thing in your area. So if you want to be sure that you can get bulbs that are appropriate for your area, you very well may need to order online or from a catalog. The other thing that we see is that the stores will stop carrying the onion sets once you get past late spring, early summer. So unless you buy them early on in the season and then you store them and hold them for your fall planting, you may not necessarily get the opportunity to find those bulbs or those sets. This is what we do. I will order several thousand um of the, the onion sets in the early spring. We plant a lot of those as uh, green onions. We plant a lot of them as our spring onions. We plant them at the same time that we're planting, uh, or actually a little bit later than what we're planting our, our actual onion plants. And then I hang on to the remainder of them, keep them in cold storage, and then now is the time when I'm bringing them out. I've already planted some for some late green onions, and then we will plant more of them around the same time, maybe just a little bit earlier than when we plant our garlic. And I am hedging my bets left, right, and center to make sure that we somehow, some way, get good bulbs to harvest. So if you do decide to go for fall planting some onions, and I encourage you to give it a try, I mean, even if it's just a small area, um, what do you need to know about the growing conditions? Like I said, when we'll go more in-depth in, in probably a winter episode uh, all about fertilizing and watering and everything else for a crop of onions from start to finish. But here are a few things that you need to know if you plan to get them planted now. You want to choose a sunny spot that has nice, loose soil. Clay soil can be really difficult to grow any root vegetable, and onions are no exception. And so you either want to amend your soil with lots of good compost, or you can choose to grow them in containers. Um, onions will do really, really well in raised planters. You can also do them in pots. Just keep in mind that any compacted or rocky soil is going to hinder that bulb growth. You also want to avoid planting where anything else that was in the allium species have been planted in the past few years. Again, it's all about crop rotation here, right? Pests and diseases that target 
those allium plants can hang out in the soil. And so you want to make sure that you are rotating those crops. Um, again, using a container is also an option if you don't have the sort of proper garden conditions. Your soil, you want to be neutral to slightly acidic, pretty much just like the majority of our garden plants. You also want it well draining. You do not want your onions to be waterlogged. The optimal growing conditions um, are between 68 and 77 degrees Fahrenheit. So once they drop down below that, then they start to go dormant. You definitely want to wait until it's much cooler than that to plant in the fall to overwinter. But that's about the time that that growth is really going to take off in the spring is once you hit that, that temperature range. Onions are fairly heavy feeders, so they're going to appreciate a lot of nitrogen to spur that leafy growth, which is going to result in those larger bulbs. So um, even if your um, soil test comes back that you are in an optimal range for your nitrogen, you may want to side dress with a little bit of a nitrogen fertilizer or nitrogen plant food when you're planting your bulbs. Um, but then don't do it again until the growth begins in the spring. So by side dressing, not only are you gonna give it a little bit of, of a chance to kind of root in, but when it goes dormant and then it comes back awake again, for lack of a better term, it's gonna have that nitrogen available there immediately. And then once you see that growth, then you can start fertilizing again or feeding them. The other thing too with planting in the fall is that you wanna water them in pretty well, maybe twice a week for the first couple of weeks, but then after that you really aren't going to want to water, especially once the ground has frozen. So you want the plants rooted and then that's it. Let them go dormant. You don't want them to, to try to continue to grow. Once the weather warms up again, you want to water the onions only if you're seeing that you're having kind of a drought situation. Um, and then again, a, a later episode in the spring, we will go a lot more into detail about growing onions overall. So this was just a quick down and dirty review in case you want to try overwintering some onions, especially if you are a more southern grower. If you've had a hard time growing onions successfully in the past when they've been planted in the spring, this might be your year to try overwintering some. And you should still have plenty of time to be able to get those in the ground. So go find your sources, see if you can in, and find some bulbs or some sets, um, or maybe even you know try your local nurseries and see if anybody has onion plants that have already been started. It might be a little bit too late for you to start from seed. I'm not saying you shouldn't try. I'm always open to you to trying new things. Um, but hopefully this will give you the kind of shot in the arm that you need to maybe you know, give it a try. Try, try growing something over the winter time. So until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, head on over to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com for all the episodes, show notes, blog posts, discount codes, and more. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. You can also head to Facebook and join a community of other gardeners asking questions and sharing their experiences in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. And if you want to support this show even further, head to patreon.com slash justgrowsomething to find out how. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning, keep growing, and we'll talk again soon. For example, Midwestern climates... I'm sorry, no, not Midwestern, <laughs> Mediterranean.
I'm going to put a link to all of this information in the show notes. You don't have to worry about sitting here and rewinding it. Rewinding? <laughs> Is that even still a thing anymore? If you if you aren't listening to something on a cassette tape, are you actually rewinding it? <laughs> or an 8-track? Oh my. Let's try that again. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time or seen my posts on Instagram, you know my husband and I are both former military and that we have a serious coffee habit. We also like to support other veteran-owned businesses, so Black Rifle Coffee is our coffee of choice. Not only do they have great coffee and merch, but they give back to military and first responders with every purchase. If you'd like to support this podcast and another veteran-owned business while also supporting your own coffee habit, head to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com slash coffee to save 20% when you join the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Give them a try with no commitment you can cancel at any time. That's JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com slash coffee for 20% off your coffee club subscription.